0: Good morning. Good morning, brother. It is good to see you on this Memorial Day weekend and Sunday together. And first of all, I'd like to begin by uh, saluting our veterans this morning, even though Memorial Day is reserved especially for those who have fallen in combat. uh, I like what one brother once said, it's better to give the flowers to the living, and so I think we should... Uh, today, recognize our veterans. So if we have a, any veterans, if you would raise your hand or stand, whichever is convenient, we want to recognize you this morning. Thank you for your service to our country, and we are glad that you are present with us uh, this morning and honored uh, to be with you. I also want to say Thank you to all those who participated in Super Duper Saturday. We had about 60 kids that were blessed, uh, and they had a lot of fun, and we had a good uh, devotional together, so that continues to be a great uh, service that the church is doing for the community. Thank you for all those who sweated a little bit yesterday, and uh, Thurl, and who played with the, the kids. It was a wonderful event. And I also want to encourage you to invite somebody to church. Uh, Invite someone. Invite a friend. Invite a family member. I had the unique experience yesterday of inviting uh, a gentleman to church uh, at a funeral I was attending. And uh, it just so happened that he was a member here years and years ago. And he was a member here when Brother Jack Birch was a member. And so think about how unique it is... To be able to invite someone to come hear the preacher who was here almost 70 years ago. And the person that you're inviting knows that minister and was a member at the time that minister was here almost 70 years ago. So I had the special opportunity. I said, July 14th, come on out and see Brother Jack Birch who preached here so many decades ago. Who's still going strong and preaching God's word. What a wonderful thing. So invite someone to church. And you might be surprised at the connections that they have to this congregation or to the need that they have uh, in in their spiritual lives. Uh, So invite someone this week to church. Now, today I want to talk about your memory. How good are you at remembering things? Now, if you were to ask different people in my life, they would probably give you different answers and at different times in my life. But memory is a very interesting thing because sometimes in your memory, sometimes things uh, are very distinct and vivid, aren't they? And then there's other times where you have met this person a number of times, but for some reason their name eludes you, it seems, every time that you see them. And we can't live with all of the memories that we have right there in front of us because just think about it, how many memories that you have living inside your mind. And so sometimes they just snap in and snap out, don't they? But there are some memories that are very vivid to all of us. And you probably couldn't tell me what you were doing three weeks ago. What were you doing three weeks ago on Monday? Probably some of it. you have to go back in your calendars and check. Maybe Facebook, maybe emails, maybe in your phones. Like, I don't know what I was doing three weeks ago, but if I said, what were you doing September 11, 2001, almost 20 years ago, probably those of you who are old enough to remember 2001, September 11th could tell me exactly where you were and what you were doing. Memory is a strange thing. I heard about this young girl who was in a competition. And have you ever heard of the mathematical quantity of pi? Pi. It is that mathematical constant. It's a rational number. It's the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter. And it sounds like the, this, 3.14159. And then it just keeps on going. You know what I'm talking about, MJ. The pi, And in fact, computer programs have been able to quantify that up to a 10 trillion places. The number just keeps on going. And there is a young Hendersonville girl a few years ago who competed at Princeton University in a memory contest. And she was able to recite pi up to 1,700 digits long. How's your memory? <laughs> and how did she do it? She did it by working with her mother daily in the practice. And she learned it by memorizing it in increments of four, up to 1,700 digits long. But what's even more amazing is is that she was born with glaucoma and is blind. And they gave her an award, $314.15. you think it'd be a little more. But sometimes it's difficult to remember, isn't it? And sometimes it's difficult to remember the things that matter most in our lives. Have you ever forgotten where you were going or who you were calling? That's an embarrassing thing. Who am I calling here? (laughs) We forget, don't we? And Memorial Day is all about remembering, isn't it? Remembering those soldiers who fell. And we do it yearly so that we don't forget what some gave off. But you know, God's Word challenges us to remember too. God wants us to remember something. In the book of Ecclesiastes 12.1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of your youth. Young people, remember your Creator now, it says. Peter talking to the church in 2 Peter 1, he says, I want to stir you up by reminding you. So there's something important about remembering. Because you know what? If we don't remember, one philosopher says we're doomed to repeat the mistakes that we've made in the past. If we forget certain things, then we fall prey to doing the same thing again and again and again. And if you look at the history of our world and if you look at the history of humanity, you see people making the same mistakes. Because we forget. We don't remember. One of the unique things about Christianity is that God gave us elements to remember what His Son did 2,000 years ago for you and for me. Sometimes we call it the Lord's Supper. And specifying who it belongs to, whose supper does this belong to? It belongs to the Lord Himself that He instituted, that He took bread on the night in which He betrayed, and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. The Lord's supper, or we talk about communion. Speaking to the relationship that we have with God. That we are communing with Him. We're having fellowship with Him. And at the same time, we have become one in that meal together. Doesn't a meal represent unity in your home? A meal represents unity in the church when we eat together, when we eat communion together. We are one as a family. Or sometimes it's been called the Eucharist coming from the Greek word which means thanksgiving. And so when we partake it, we are thankful because He broke bread and gave thanks for it. But it's also been viewed as a sacrament of spiritual renewing that every week we take the Lord's Supper to spiritually energize us. Just as you need food to live You need the food of Christ to get through the week. It's important to remember. He said, this do in remembrance of me. So I want to give you just a few things mathematically, numerically. It's not going to be 3.14, 1,100 digits long, I promise you. But I want to give you a few numbers that are important. Number one, one Lord. One Lord. And that's what it says of Christ in Ephesians chapter 4, that there is one Lord. And this is the way in which Jesus was talked about in the New Testament. He is called Lord. And what's interesting about that designation is, is that the Greek word, kurios, is the word that was applied in translating the word Jehovah in the Greek Old Testament. So the same word that is applied to Jehovah God in the Old Testament according to the Greek scriptures when it was translated is applied to who? To Jesus. And when Jesus talked about the Sabbath, he says, "Don't you know that the Son of man is the Lord Curios of the Sabbath?" Jesus is saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am Jehovah of the Sabbath. When Peter preached that first gospel sermon, he says, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Savior. Peter also said, He is Lord of all. And then when we begin to take the emblems of communion, to remember that the Lord of all gave His life for who? For me. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what else will. That the God of all creation gave of Himself in Jesus Christ to die for you and for me one lord only god could make the difference for my sins number 2 there's another thing to remember two thieves jesus was crucified among two thieves and of course it says in matthew 27:38 then two robbers were crucified with him one on the right and another on the left Fulfilling prophecy in Isaiah where it says He made His grave with the wicked. And what you see in the cross is where is Jesus making His grave? Who is He being crucified with? The most innocent of all people to ever walk the earth is hung between two robbers, two thieves. There's three crosses that you see. There's one Lord, two thieves, three crosses, and what a terrible form of execution that was. To take a man and to hang him with nails in his hands. It says in Isaiah that he was numbered with the transgressors, and that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law because everyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And so Jesus revokes that curse by becoming the very curse itself on that tree. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That is what you see when you see those three crosses before you. (coughs) Christ dying a horrible death for you. But also what you find is four parts of the garment. Remember when they crucified Jesus in John chapter nineteen twenty three. Listen to this. Then the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took His garments and made it into four parts to each soldier a part and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam woven from the top in one piece. They said therefore among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. And so you see that they divide and rip His garment and cast lots for it. Remember what His garment had done. Remember that poor woman that had been healed, who had a malady of her blood, and it says that she had humbled herself so much that she... She begged and she was at the very hem of His garment. She grabbed the very bottom of Jesus' garment and it says that the power went out from among Him and she was healed. The same garment was now being divided among soldiers. It even specifies this in prophecy. Psalms twenty-two eighteen. They divided my garments among them and my clothing cast lots. You also see your Lord Stripped of His dignity. Standing before an angry mob. Naked. Humiliated. Humbled lower than anything that you've ever seen. And He became naked so that we might be clothed. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, whereas Christ was robbed of His dignity. Humiliated. We are given the the dignity of Christ by becoming a part of His body, the church, and restored to God Himself. We also see one Lord, two thieves, three crosses... Four parts to the garment, but we also see five wounds that Jesus received. He received a nail in each of his hands and a nail in each of his feet, and also they took a spear and crucified, and, and put it into His side. It says in John twenty twenty five, Unless I see His hands, the print of nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand into His side, I will not believe. Remember Thomas? Speaking of those wounds that were in the body of Christ. And it says in John nineteen thirty four, this vivid picture, they pierced His side with a spear, and immediately, blood and water came out five wounds. And not only did He receive those five wounds, but He was also scourged and received a crown of thorns. One Lord, two thieves, three crosses, four parts to the garment, five wounds, and for six hours Christ hung on the cross. Mark fifteen twenty-eight. it says, now it was the third hour and they crucified Him. 9 a.m. And then in Matthew 27:45, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth, there was darkness over the land and He yielded His Spirit at three. For six hours, Jesus endured the cross. One Lord, two thieves, three crosses, four guards, five wounds, six hours, and seven saints. All he could say in those six hours that we have recorded in Scripture was seven things. And think about how important those seven sayings might have to be. We always we have books filled with man's last words, don't we? And we look to them for some type of wisdom and don't you think that the seven last sayings of Jesus on earth would be something that would be important to us? We find in those seven sayings, we find the anguish that Jesus felt. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You find in the words of Jesus, the suffering, I thirst. His humanity in that, I thirst. You find even forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You find salvation in those words. Today you will be with me in paradise. You find care. Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Taking care of his mother, Mary. You find the truth of who Jesus is that even while he hung on a cross, who did he think about? Those around him. Even his captors and his mother. And you also find his obedience. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then he finally says, with victory it is finished. I think all of these things are worthy of our remembrance. Don't you? And I hope that it gives a spiritual insight not only in how someone died, but and also how we should live. Because in Jesus' last moments, you find that even though His physical body is being crucified, His spiritual life is still there. And what you find is that there is salvation, there is forgiveness, and ultimately, You find the truth of who Jesus is. Truly, this is the Son of God. That's what the centurion spoke when he saw Jesus give up the ghost. And what we find in Christ is that He is worthy of our obedience. What a sacrifice. And Christ gives us this communion and this feast so that we will never forget what He did for us. And that means this week I can live better than last week. This, may, this means that I can live confidently and assured because my salvation doesn't rely on myself. It relies on Him who died for me, who lived for me, and who was risen for me. That's assurance, isn't it? I'm not resting in my own righteousness. I'm resting in the righteousness of Jesus. What a beautiful message that is. So my question is, have you obeyed Him? Will you obey Him? The Bible says to believe in the Lord, to to begin in faith. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. To repent of those sins that crucified Christ. To confess Him as Lord, just as that centurion did as he witnessed the death of Christ, truly, this is the Son of God. And to be baptized, immersed into His body, the church, for the remission, forgiveness of sins. And then you partake of a new covenant. A new agreement. Because His blood was shed for our forgiveness. What a beautiful story. Or maybe this morning, You're a Christian and you need prayers of encouragement or prayers of healing. We want to assist you with any need, and we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.